So the theme of the uh, of our weekend, or if it's just for the day today, uh, I think I called it moving out of out of old patterns or moving out of old grooves. Um, just gives something that's fairly concise and non-technical, but I, I, you probably get the idea. <laughs> and what we've just uh, touched into was moving out of one particular groove or pattern. Uh, program uh, and, uh, and which is the bodily one uh, so we may imagine of course that our body is a fixed determined well relatively fixed reality you know I'm six foot tall I'm this weight I maybe change fluctuate weight but I look like this I've got a beard you know you know whatever so skin's this colour or fingernails like this, yeah. And this is very much the visual body, and so one can carry that around. And this is particularly this visual body is highly activated and programmed by social contact, isn't it? Because this is the one we that people see and respond to. And of course we all look slightly different. Um, and so everybody is not normal. <laughs> there isn't a normal person. But we all kind of realise with slight deviations from this normal person who doesn't exist. So the, the, the visual body is self-conscious. And, and without us doing really consciously, sometimes we consciously act upon that, you know, we try to pretty it up or lose some weight or change the shape of it or dress in particular ways that make it seem rather more uh, agreeable to others than if it wasn't that way. Uh, And so there's a lot of this kind of self-referencing social contact. And this establishes a particular groove or pattern or habit self-referencing to the visual body becomes very apparent when you're with a group of people or, stri- or people you don't know yeah, compared to with when you're on your own and of course whether if you're with a, your boss you might want to look differently than with, you, with your friends or with, with your children yeah. becomes less, less an issue so this is an example of what I call grooves or programs in which almost Without choice, our mind, uh oh, I better look like this, or uh oh, I don't quite look like this, or uh oh, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm the only woman in a group of men, uh oh, or something like that. Yeah, we get recognition, self conscious recognitions that send particular mental and emotional patterns, programs into our minds. So we've got a particular, that's a simple groove, you might say, or a habit. And it's, it's a habit in the sense it's not even a habit we've specifically chosen. It gets established through social contact, social norms. Yeah. It's placed upon us. And we participate in it, of course, but it's very much you know, what, what one's appearance is, is, is determined by social norms and this is extremely 
intrusive because the social norms are often being adjusted um, to uh, by people who want to sell you things. <laughs> so you will look like this, or everybody else is wearing one of these, you better do so too. And it begins when you go to school, and the other kids start laughing at you because you don't have this kind of trainers or jeans or whatever it is, you know. And so it, you get programmed pretty quick into, into so your mum has to go out and buy you all kinds of gear, and three years later it's out of date, you've got to get another lot of gear. So this is an example of a, an imposed uh, groove that becomes obsessive and <laughs> doesn't do you any good. Because <laughs> you're always, in a way, on the hook of it, trying to, you know, look the way that you should, which you don't quite, never can look the way you should, because the should is a fantasy, a notion. And of course you see at the advertisements all the people looking happy and bright and whatever, because they're looking the way they should, because they bought one of these. So this is an example of programming getting into ruts and grooves and so this can take up quite a considerable amount of time part of one's, one's life is occupied with this, this particular process and so when we meditate we want to perhaps acknowledge that and begin to just shed that not just conceptually but even neurologically because this has a neurological effect self-consciousness it, it pushes you inside in, yeah. it, it restricts it constricts the act of self-consciousness self-consciousness is, is a strangely twisted form of consciousness that's turning back right? it's, you see what I mean like how he looks at me what do I do I feel oh, oh, you know turns back, doesn't it? Nobody's around, I feel, oh, expansive. Out in nature, nobody else around, uh, sunshine, sea, everything expands. Yeah. Group of people, people looking at me on stage, contraction. That's, yeah, does that make sense to you? And particularly, of course, if along with that become the criteria of do something really good, or something people will like, or get there quicker or faster, then that self-conscious program tightens right up. And this is not just psychological, it's neurological. Yeah. This means you, you find, for some strange reason, you, you can't really relax, or you feel anxious, you feel uncertain, you feel there's something you should be doing, because your, your nervous system is in a constricted state, so it sends out these signals yeah. um, and you try to appease it but you can't through self-consciousness you can only really switch it off <laughs> this is very directly through, through your own embodiment when you're feeling the body as the body rather than as a concept or a percept of what we've learnt or assume the bodies are, 
which is what you see with your eyes. And this is clearly not the full story. In fact, it's probably the least interesting and the least authentic story about you. (laughs) What you look like is by no means a very good story or a very good description of what's running there for you. (coughs) And yet it becomes dominant. Um, so, to, this is one example, and I'd like to say, take to something a little more systematic. Now, these, uh, this weekend really is kind of about undermining a false reality. And so, this may sound like a rather large job to do get done in a day, and indeed it is. <laughs> but particularly as outside of this domain, outside of this context, outside of this practice, that false reality is going to be rapidly pushed back at you <laughs> constantly. But so. So I'd like to sort of dissect the elements of that false reality. This is the element called form, rupa. And this false reality, it kind of works. Certainly we can operate within that. It works amazingly well. The only snag is it doesn't give you peace of mind. And it's stressful. And it eats up your life. Uh, apart from that it's okay (laughs) it takes a lot of energy and it costs money as well to keep it going it takes a lot of energy uh, and it's a source of suffering but it does keep going and it's called the reality of the five in Buddhism the five aggregates Uh, this is rupa the aggregate of form um, aggregate means it's a whole heap of things stuck together. So form is stuck together from visual impressions, tactile impressions, memories. That's me, all right. You know, stuck. It's a stuck together of various pieces of data that it occur through consciousness. And consciousness is another aggregate. Uh, because it's not just one consciousness, there's six of them. And it's through them bonding, sticking together, that we uh, experience phenomena. So, for example, um, you both see something and you associate that seeing with an idea. Oh, that's Susan. Oh, that's the bus. Oh, that's... So, the two consciousnesses stick together. If you see something and you've got no mental consciousness arising, it doesn't occur, essentially. It doesn't happen to you. Unless there's some act of recognition, you don't get it. Even if you you recognise it's Oh, that's something curious I don't know. 
That's still an act of recognition. So imagine, you know, you went to the Amazon with your computer, your little laptop computer, and you presented it to the chief of the tribe, and he took at this kind of strange, sleek thing, slab. Uh huh. <laughs> what would he be holding? Yeah. And you might think he's got my latest updated <laughs> Mac, and you'd think strange person's given me this slab, useless slab. Maybe I'll carve something on it. <laughs> But still, there'll be an act of recognition. For him, the Mac computer laptop would not exist. So it's only through the sticking of the visual experience to the uh, conceptual experience that that phenomenon arises. Now, if he saw it as a strange thing I don't know, that would still be a conceptual act. So he'd say, oh, this is a don't know thing. Yeah. And he'd probably think, this is a gift that this strange person gave me. I will treat it with respect. Put it on it somewhere and maybe offer it things. <laughs> <laughs> and so the behaviours would act, change, depending on what he'd seen. So it's this sticking together. And so, for example, when we... Uh, you know, and characteristically, I might see this glass, I see the glass, I immediately sense what it is, I can see through it, it's a, it's, and I can imagine, i got a concept of that's something to contain fluid. Now, it could be, of course, a flower vase, it could be a paperweight, it could be a pastry roller, but like that, I see it as a vessel to contain liquid. I don't have to, you know, that action... That's called perception, recognition. That's a visual recognition. Now, when I touch it, tactile consciousness kicks in. I know, as I assumed, I know that that's solid. It's not just a hologram. Also, tactile consciousness is extremely sensitive so probably I've gave this glass to any one of you you'd hold it and you'd immediately know it's not plastic it's it's slightly cooler Uh, it's slightly harder you'd also probably if you close your eyes you'd probably know it wasn't metal it's slightly smoother and so but all this happens, this sticking happens without any deliberate action. And then glass arises. It might. So that's the action of consciousness. So there's the visual consciousness and a tactile consciousness. And then they give rise to the phenomenon called perception, which is another aggregate, sanya. Something is recognized as something. That's another piece of the fabric. And uh, in this case, this is pretty innocuous, the glass. Uh, Now, when we come down to seeing other people, 
perception aggregate is extremely um, conditioned. For example, when you see somebody, you probably don't look at their ankles. You look, you look at the face, or maybe the, basically the body shape and then the face. And then pretty immediately, you get some sense of, are they hostile? You, your mind it probably checks out the expressions on the face. Are they hostile? Are they friendly? Interesting? Uh, what are they, or how are they looking at me? Are they uh, attractive or repulsive and somewhere else? And that sort of happens very quickly. And as we all know, probably through difficult experiences, we get it wrong a lot of the times. <laughs> you know, we get seduced by people who've got nice smooth faces with smiles on them. Buy one of these. You know, vote for me. <laughs> and it happens. You know, triggers. So perception aggregate is a construction. Yeah. So around so that's just around the visual consciousness uh, and so on. Tactile consciousness is the water cold, cool, warm, exactly right. Would you bath? Would you put your baby in it? Not quite needs to be warmer and all that perception referring to an exp- a kind of a background of experience that you had and so as a little baby this is your learning curve you're sticking your fingers into things that hurt you're touching things that squeak you're, <laughs> you're realising you can make things happen you can squeeze things and they squeak um, you're touching fur and finding it attractive. You're like a rabbit or a dog. And so you're gradually building up out of visual and tactile experiences a reality that will give you some navigation signals. And these navigation signals are another aggregate called Sankara activations, programs. Um, the go for it or the don't go for it the other so this is another of the five aggregates the last one which actually is very important is feeling pleasure pain the registering of experience the internalizing experience in terms of something is affecting me something is affecting me something's entering me yeah. agreeable bearable not great, but okay. Fantastic. Not bad. Could, could be better. You know, this kind of feeling. And feeling is actually the primary trigger for the go for it. Or try it a little bit. Or bear with it, it could get better. Yeah. Uh, so this is how our reality is, is structured. Yeah form and I've tried to present how form itself which would seem to be the most solid is actually a fabrication a construction because the form that you see through your eyes is not the form that you feel with your fingers the form that you look at in the mirror you call yourself 
is not the same form as when you close your eyes and sit and feel your body energies. It's a different form. And two can, of course, coexist. But and that's the most solid bit of it. <laughs> okay, so what happens when you, you say you stand up and you feel dizzy? What kind of form is that? It's probably a form that's got no feet. It's kind of a rocky. What happens if you've um, had a big shock? The form is suddenly, you know, highly activated and dynamic. What happens when you wake up in the morning? What's your form then? Fuzzy, foggy? <coughs> the felt form, the experience form. And as we know, as we even look at the outside of it, that changes day to day, year to year. You know, aging process, weight loss, um, skin changes, and so on. So that aggregate. And yet we go into a certain groove, and the nature of the, of the fundamental groove that all these um, coalesce around is. Let it be agreeable. Let it last. Let it give me security. Make it agreeable. That's the program. Make it agreeable. Make it a constant reference point that will make feel make things feel solid, secure, safe, something I can really rely upon. That's that's the groove. Yeah. However. Uh, and make it agreeable at least not disagreeable make it fun, exciting, comforting, warm pleasant, stressless peaceful you know, you put all the various um, uh, adjectives on that that's, that's the program isn't it let it be mine and uh oh doesn't work so we well probably you've got the wrong form that's why so now I feel mentally agitated well you've just got the wrong mind state so let's change those attitudes and those sankharas those mental programs those impulses that shift those Get a new job, find some friends, watch a movie, relax, go on holiday. And as you change what your intentions, your activations in, you'll feel better. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, look, great. You know, I was going to go on holiday because holiday, perception, holiday. Relax, chill, freedom, released, no problems. That's the perception, that's the sanya. That's what holiday means, isn't it? So, okay, well, plan in advance. That's a bit stressful, but I'll, when I've done it, I'll be okay, okay? So, then get the money. Well, that's a bit stressful, but once I've got the money and the plan, it'll be okay. Then get the travelling done. Well, I get to go on an app or a travel agent. It's a bit stressful, finding out the train times, the plane times, but no problems. Once I've got that done, I'll be okay. Okay, so do that. And then, well, make sure you've got the visa, the baggage allowance, okay? Okay. Security checks. Okay, I'll get through the security checks, it'll be okay. 
security gets border checks, get on the plane. Well, the plane's a bit of a grueling grind, but once I get off the other side, it'll be okay. <laughs> Looking for that sunny spot. I get there. Well, the taxi's a rip-off, but never mind. Just pay up, because once I get to the hotel, I'll be okay. Get to the hotel. Well, you know, the waiter, the, the person at the reception is obnoxious, but a uh, difficult person and they give me the wrong room, but we'll sort that out and things will be okay. <laughs> Pity about, it rained. Hey, it wasn't supposed to rain, but it'll still clear up one, sooner or later, it'll be okay. Yeah. This food's a bit funny, isn't it? But get the right menu, things will be okay. Oh, I don't feel so well. Because oh, of all that travelling, jet lag. No, when I take a rest, I'll be okay. And then, just as I was settling in, I got this phone call from my aunt who was having a problem with her dog. Oh, I'll deal with that hassle. Okay, well, I sort her out, it'll be okay. Oh, yeah. oh, they're playing music down the, on the beach. Why do they play music on the beach? Can't they be quiet? I'll go to a quieter area of the beach, then it'll be okay. Oh. And so on. God, I can't wait to get home again. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be okay there. Because <laughs> I've got things set up the way I like it there. Yeah. You know, got my furniture's fine, got TV when I need it, neighbours are fairly quiet, settled, I'll be okay when I get there. Yeah. Oh, fridge is broken down, phone somebody up, and so on. So, you know, it's funny how this sense of things kind of landing into this the sweet spot. He just kind of glances off the edge of the sweet spot, bounces twice, and then moves <laughs> <laughs> into the stress spot. <laughs> but you get used to it, as this is, you know, life, keep going. And so we get very busy, as you probably will all acknowledge, how busy we are fabricating a uh, steady state, reliable, predictable manageable, socially acceptable, comfortable reality. Uh, and I feel stressed out, stressful doing it, Get busy, because of this activation, yeah, all the activation. And at a certain point, you know, if you really get that picture, you think, perhaps... This is what renunciation means. It means just pull out all that stuff and just learn how to patiently accept whatever's going on. (laughs) Uh, uh, As a a program, (laughs) you begin to contemplate certain skillful uh, patterns, which are not exactly grooves because they're not inducted, they're conscious counter programs such as I live respectfully with people I trust and are worthy of respect things are a lot more easy if I modify my what I need things get a lot less difficult to handle uh, if I stay more steadily in my body state in my body state I feel already more contented I don't need so much stuff to make to get me there you know, so you, you begin to come out of a particular rut or groove into something more uh, suitable. And so this is definitely, you know, main
process of Dhamma learning very much in the field of your life, in the field of your life. We're beginning to always bear in mind this reality that we find ourselves structured into, you can you can rearrange it, you can destructure it. And you can primary destruction or deconstruction is through this sankara aggregate, through this aggregate of intention, setting up mental intentions, moderating mental intentions, moderating mental uh, and moderating mental perceptions. These two. And generally, whenever you want to moderate something that's a habit, as any of you known, you you know you want to quit smoking or whatever, some kind of habit you realise you're not doing any good, there's a big resistance to it. You consciously want to do it, and yet something in your system goes, well, well, just, well tomorrow I'll do it. <laughs> or, well, one will be okay. <laughs> you know, something, because these habits are much more than psychological, they become neurological. Uh, and and so because they become neurologically established, so you start to feel really weird once you challenge a habit. You feel a bit lost, disoriented. That's the psychological state. You're not going to any familiar place. You feel odd. Like your hand reaches out. No, pull it back. Well, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, whoop, there it went again. <laughs> This disorientation, which is the, you know, the territory we have to move through in order to get out of a groove. It's not so comfortable to do that. Yeah, so just try to bear those pieces in mind. <laughs> to check a habit is you have to stand against something that's pushing driving and it's not even rational it's sub-rational or pre-rational it's instinctive and it's even neurological where you you feel really weird Mm. so just as a uh, example someone was mentioning they were doing a a mindfulness workshop and uh, they wanted to invite a woman who was handling Skype calls. You're all familiar with Skype calls? No, they're all wired in. <laughs> so these amazing facility of, of chatting to people hundreds of miles away uh, through, the, through the, I guess, internet or something. Yeah, Skype. Well, she was managing these calls. And so, at any given moment, she was handling between 40 and 70 calls. You know, plugging people in, switching things on, you know, between 40 and 70 at any given moment. That was her job in the day. They just sort of sit with that for a moment. <laughs> I find handling one is <laughs> a workout. So she's 
I don't know quite what that means, reading the sound rates or something. Anyway, so she's processing, processing 40 and seven, between 40 and 7 pieces of data input, which is fast-moving. So, my mindfulness workshop. Says, oh, yeah, great, 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 great. I'm a bit busy right now. I can't. We'll come and do it in your office. Okay, that's, that's wonderful. We'll come and do it in your office. Because you, you're too busy to actually get out of the office. So you come round to the office, a group of five or six. Well, why don't we just kind of like, just sit quietly for about five minutes or so. And then we can start. Five minutes, she, she's actually can't do it. She's nauseous, wants to throw up. Her, body, her system is just freaking out at not having that amount of stuff rushing through it. She couldn't manage five minutes. Wanted to. It's a kind of that's maybe an extreme example. That's a groove, not, it's a, it's a rut, it's a trap. Uh, and, and so the idea of sitting still, much too much, I mean, maybe playing tennis might have been more useful, you know, something that you could just kind of downstep a little bit, so only, only, only doing one thing at a time, but to just be there in presence is just too, too, too steep a curve to handle. And kind of bear in mind with this sense of, you know, programming, it's what we interface with, what we connect to, what we make contact with, starts to program us. So with this Sankara activation. I call it activation, I also call it programming. There are three features to it. And the first one, the most obvious one, is there's a do it impulse. And so we can do right or wrong, moral, immoral, violent, loving. There's a do it. And, but there's also a speed of do it, it gets programmed. And this is, contact is another sankara. So contact is the sense of receiving the impression, receiving the impression and getting switched on by it. Receiving the impression, getting switched on by it. Now, sometimes I do nature meditations. When we'll stand in nature, say in a, in a vegetable, you know, area of trees, forests, stand and feel the feet beneath the ground and just be aware of the tree or the leaves or the deer or something. So what's coming in is just kind of not doing very much at all. It's gently, when you see a sense of appreciation or calming or, you know, it's, it's pretty slow input. Contact 
with a tree, you've got to slow down to make real contact with a tree, to really get it and feel it and sense yourself being affected by it. Sense yourself appreciating it. Sense yourself, oh, that's a, you know, the qualities that will occur if you really stand, regard, cons- give your attention to a vegetable, to a tree. If you're looking for birds, you've got to be able to wait a lot, long time. Be quiet. A lot of listening attention to that moment when something flutters or you hear a song. Push, turn slowly, listen. So the contact in nature is both um, slow, sensitive. You have to really listen up to get it. The contact, the activation is slow and coming quite deeply. It's quite easy to just walk past trees and not notice them at all. (laughs) You know, you see them, but you don't really get it. Because they're not very intrusive. Now you compare that with a telephone. You compare that with these flashing signals, signs, traffic lights, buses, uh, internet. Do you have to wait long? Absolutely not. That's the idea, is to reduce. You don't have to stand around waiting for the thing. I've been five seconds waiting for things to happen. <laughs> What's gone wrong? You want it yeah? immediate so we can get going. And it says, respond quickly. That's what it says. Uh, so your activation, your contact impression, very quick, very fast. And no depth. There's no time to to actually sense the quality of that. It's an immediate, do it or don't do it. That's it. So your contact activation is at a very shallow, superficial, reactive level. Fast, quick, yes, no, that's it. Push the button or move on. So what's that do? To your mind, to your nervous system, it's starting to rattle, isn't it? To get up to speed with this stuff that you're plugged into, that probably you feel you need to be plugged into, to in order to manage in life. Yeah? Yeah. So you know, <laughs> it's nothing wrong with you. It's just you're running the wrong program. You're actually not a machine. And if you, what you associate with will program you. What you associate with, and it's a very simple example there between, say, a tree and a, a mobile phone. And what do you spend most of your time looking at? That's going to program you. So when you understand that, you need to be, one begins to realize there's a certain discipline is required around contact. Because it's going to activate, and based upon that activation of my nervous system, 
my emotions will be affected, my ways of addressing people will be affected. I'll start to talk very fast. I won't listen to people. I won't take things in. Because my energetic system is set at particular non-depth, non-responsive, non-appreciative level. It's set at the level of just sheer reactivity. And if it's set that way, I'm going to, I will experience everything on that basis. Now, so accordingly, you know, we need to reset, don't we? How to unplug a program. And this is what this body thing is for, because you've always got one of these. So you come into that and unplug, unplug. And you begin to feel some of that jangling stress in your body, or you feel the kind of everything's tight up in your head, and you don't really have anything underneath your chin. It's all sunken, and you just start to sweep through to clean out that program. And I guess also, you now I have to rise up to it when it's necessary. Yeah. So I've got a senior citizen card. I can get free bus rides. So I went into the, walked into the local town for the arms round a couple of days ago. It's about a seven-mile walk. And he went down, oh great, I'll catch the 12.30 bus back. So I stand at the bus stop, thinking, oh great, got my bus card, bus, bus stop, perception, comfort, ease, here we go, feet up, end of the day, done the bindabar. It's not perception in the mind. Well, that's a, that's a bad one to have. <laughs> I'm standing at this bus stop, 12.25, nothing happening, 12.28, nothing happening. 12.30, the bus comes around the corner. Oh, great. Like, hey, it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> Straight past. <laughs> because being in my non-reactive mode, I sort st- of stand there patiently, you know, opening to the bus, <laughs> stopping, you know, pausing, driver pausing, and opening. He, he didn't. So I didn't jump up and down and wave my hand out. <laughs> so, Okay. You have to be more reactive. <laughs> Otherwise, nobody sees you. <laughs> Just straight fast. <laughs> a long walk instead. <laughs> so, just there's those. But then, you know, recognizing the need to shift. And I guess when we meditate, we're looking primarily to unplug uh, this. Sankara aggregate. That's our first level, I would say. And using that by referring to the felt body, because this is, this is the, the basis in which we can sense these experiences happening, this energy body, you can sense these experiences happening, and you can do something about it. You can spread, widen, soften, take the whole body in, slow your breathing down and go through the process of feeling some of that disorientation, disturbance and then eventually it comes down to rest state. And you avoid any you know, perceptions of yourself being this or that or what you should do. Just simplify the whole system. Okay. Mm. 
you know, just to give you sort of little, ask you to spend a, you know, a couple, few minutes just acknowledging you know, uh, what this experience. So, for example, if you sit steady and quietly, you know, say, okay, it's um, first thing is, oh, it's time to stand up. So, you sit quietly and then I say, okay, everybody, please stand up. And notice what happens when you hear those words. So it's stirring, isn't it? Let's stand up. You don't do anything. You can perhaps feel energy comes down into your legs or your hands or you come out of your thinking. And then we let that one go. And then you compare that with um, a signal like a uh, um, little signal like uh, hey, it's, it's 10 to 12. It's, it's, the bus is, is coming. The bus is coming at 5 to 12. You're late. Hurry up. You're late. And notice what that kind of signal will do. Sensing, there's the bus, you can see it, it's coming, you're 100 metres away from it. <laughs> you've got to get that bus, otherwise you're not going to get to work on time, and, and you can feel that, what happens then. Different set of words, signal, perception, hurry up, bus, train, time not getting it, failure, loss. And a whole set of energy start moving in. This is Sanya, perception and Sankara activation. Of course, some of this stuff is extremely personal and poignant, but uh, you know, the things that get you going, you worry. Relative. You're worrying about them should do something they're a problem they're in suffering they need mm, you don't quite know what to do so it's not even like running for a bus you get this sense of you know, the perception and the stirring and a kind of emotional movement so it doesn't just go into your body it goes into your emotional sense doesn't it yeah. some having a problem, he's addicted, he's really getting to a bad way. Mm. Partner, having difficulties with him or her. 
So you notice how these things, and these things tend to come up when you meditate or when you try to meditate. And essentially, the, when these issue, any of these issues comes in, along with it, with that contact impression that's touching the heart, comes the unspoken or perhaps spoken signal, you should do something. You should do something about this. You should do something. You don't know what it is, but you should do it. It's up to you. You should do it. Make it different. You can't make it different feeling really unhappy, impotent, useless, failure, let down. They need me, I should be able to. So, who said that? So, there's a, that's the groove that says whatever arises in my contact experience must be agreeable, satisfactory, <coughs> and up to me to make it that way. Whatever arises in my contact experience, agreeable is the standard, could be everybody's happy, um, I'm popular, people like me, people understand me, people don't misunderstand me, that would be agreeable. Anything that I come into contact with that touches me, moves me, affects me, it should be agreeable. I'm not looking for ecstasy. <laughs> Just feels comfortable. Otherwise, and, and it should also be reliable, not just the fluke, but something that's established. We finally worked it out. I've got the right job. I'm in the good place. We, we swing along with each other. That's settled. That should happen. How should it happen? Because I do something about it <laughs> to make it happen. And how how true is that? And who wrote who said that? Who who wrote that script? So it's not it's not there's nothing wrong with action or caring. That's fine. Action's good. Caring is good. All sounds good. Doing something is good. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. That's the system. But where did the underlying groove that we haven't really acknowledged that it's up to you and you can make things agreeable constantly. Sort things out agreeable, satisfactory, and yourself. In other words, you have say over it. If that's not happening, there's a real sense of disorientation, ignominy, loss. I'm really not making it in my life. Is that... 
And how many of those contact impressions could you really expect to make agreeable, reliable, and something you can have say over? Not high percentage, is it? (laughs) So what are you left with? Failure. And that's that's the corrosive and unnecessary dukkha. And we can kind of bear that little thing in mind and check it out. I sense that it, you know, it seems to me wherever I teach, wherever I teach, people have basically, you know, maybe two problems. First problem is they don't don't like themselves very much. (laughs) There's something wrong with them. And the other is obsessive thinking, trying to figure out how to not, you know, to run faster down that groove so they would be in this agreeable, comfortable place. And and it's not just you. (laughs) And it's subtle. It's not even a constant nagging aversion, it's just the feeling of, well, I can't just, I ought to, I better, they need, I have to, and I'm not, I don't deserve, and after all, who am I? You know, it's kind of negativity, not loving acceptance. Suspecting that other people don't like me, that I'm the kind of lesser one in the in the team or the group. I'm the one who has to work harder than everybody else to, to make sure I'm okay with everybody else. You know, these kind of meta-programs or over-programs come around not having, as the Buddha said, when this first noble truth is not fully understood, <laughs> that that program, that groove, is a fallacy. You know, things are not innately agreeable. (laughs) They're not innately reliable. And they're not innately yours. Now, certainly, you know, one could do something to make this bit more agreeable, that bit more agreeable for a while. Yeah. But you have to bear that in mind with the larger frame of references, you know. Uh, relax, nothing works. <laughs> nothing works, relax. <laughs> that's a, oh, that's all right then. <laughs> uh, yeah, you find, oh, that's different, isn't it? I, suddenly I feel sp- spacious and you know, more steady. How did that happen? So the end of suffering can be known, can be realized. And it's through <coughs> understanding 
and acknowledging this kind of fundamental, what I'm calling a groove, and then how what it occurs within, and then the particular places which you can acknowledge that specifically as a program. Where's it going? How am I getting wired to that? What's happening in my body? Is this really good? Do I need? Can I unplug it? You know, it's at specific points you just keep practicing with, and you find your reality will change. People who bothered you don't bother you. Things that seem so important don't seem so important. Things you desperately thought you could never do, you can. So this is the the paradigm of of, um, practice.